0: Four guys um, attacked me with knives and machetes in northern Angola and stole my bicycle and all my kit.
1: Episode 3, Yolandi Rust. This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, brought to you by 180TAC. Get out there and have some fun. Welcome to another episode of the Adventure Sports Podcast. This is your host, Travis Parsons. On this episode, we speak with Yolandi Rust from South Africa, among many things, Joe has ridden her bicycle through the country of Israel and then nearly 900 miles from Johannesburg to Cape Town. In 2010, Joe became the first person to cycle around the perimeter of South Africa, covering 3,700 miles in 100 days. But believe it or not, Joe is actually here today to talk about motorcycling, and it's one heck of an adventure at that. Joe, welcome to the Adventure Sports Podcast.
0: Hi, Travis. Thank you for having me.
1: So, Joe, I've given the listeners a little bit of your your bio, but it's a large bio. So if you would take a few minutes to go into more detail on that and tell us about your connection to uh, world travel on motorcycles.
0: Yeah, well, um, like you've mentioned, I started out on a bicycle and I did a few cycling trips um, back in 2003 through Israel. And I think that's where the whole travel slash adventure bug bit me. Um when I got back home from Israel I did a cycling trip from Johannesburg to Cape Town like you mentioned and then around South Africa and the mainly the the idea was or the big dream was to be the first woman to circumnavigate the African continent on a bicycle. Um so all these previous trips were in preparation for this you know big epic trip that I was planning. And in 2011, I set out from um, Cape Town, South Africa, made my way up the western coast to Namibia and then into Angola and um, uh, had a bit of an unfortunate um, setback for basically four guys um, attacked me with knives and machetes in northern Angola and stole my bicycle and all my kit and um luckily they didn't harm me they didn't touch me and i then returned home but not before by some miracle the angolan government stepped in and they you know came to my rescue um it was something out of that something that you would expect to see in a movie the local governor of the zaire province which is in northern angola um, you know, flew in, picked me up, made sure that I was safe. They then um, flew me back home. And once I got back home in South Africa, um, the local minister of government in Angola sent me a Facebook message um, and said, "You know, we're very sorry for what happened. If there's anything we can do to help you, please let us know." So, for some bizarre reason, I decided that I wanted to start over on a motorcycle. <laughs> And uh, this was, barring the fact that I had never been on a motorcycle before in my life, but I just figured, you know what? After all that had happened, I figured that there has got to be an easier way. And um, so the the minister then said to me, "Well, you know, send us a proposal in the budget, and we'll we'll have a look at it." Which I duly did. I quickly crunched some numbers and sent him the proposal in the budget. And two weeks later, he came back to me and um, said, okay, yes, we will sponsor your entire trip. And I just fell off my chair. <laughs> Holy
1: cow. Seriously? That's amazing.
0: <laughs>
1: so you've yeah. hit the, the motorcycling, the, the world traveler lottery, just just I... like that. You make it sound so easy.
0: <laughs> exactly. But I still <laughs> want to go back and find those guys that attacked me and like thank them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. They handed you one heck of a, of a deal. That is awesome.
0: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) No, it was, it was, like I said, it is something that you would expect to see in a movie. Um, it was insane. And, And so that's how my whole, um, motorcycling career as such began. Then I started over on the motorcycle, um, in 2012. And then I made my way back up the same route through, um, you know, along the western coast of Africa, this time all the way up to Morocco. Um, And then there, well, there were a lot of events in between. And then across northern Africa during the Arab Spring um, through Tunisia, Libya, Egypt, um, I went protesting in Tunisia, (laughs) dodged bullets in Libya, um, you know, made it through Egypt. And then down the east coast of Africa, and in November 2013, I finally realized my dream and became the first woman in history to have circumnavigated the African continent on a motor- motorcycle um, and on my own without a backup team.
1: Wow, that is a fantastic achievement. Congratulations on that.
0: <laughs> Thank you very much.
1: <laughs> and I have to say, I mean, I'd, one thing that inspires me is you, you set out on a bicycle to do it in the first place. Obviously, that is a its a a journey that most of us wouldn't, wouldn't even fathom. Um, so you set out to do it on a mountain bike. And then the amazing thing is you run into these, uh, problems in Angola and you get turned back. But instead, uh, you know, most of us would just say, forget it. I'm thrown in the towel. You decided I'm going to try this again, but I'm just going to go about it a little different way. I mean, that's, uh, kudos to you for, <laughs> for having that, that bravery to go through with it. And I assume you know we we kind of glossed over some of your other travels. I mean we, we you listed them as as bullet points, but the reality is your travels through Israel and in around uh, South Africa itself. I mean you you had quite a bit of experience there leading into it. So I'm assuming that played a big role in your comfortability level um in going back out on the motorcycle and trying this these this uh circumnavigation of Africa.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, um I always say to people um you know, years ago, I made myself a promise, and the promise was that no matter what, I would never ever give up on myself. Because when when you set out to do something as um, well, let's call it as crazy as I wanted to do, you know, right at the beginning, of course, there were people saying that, um, you know, this this is not such a good idea, or that um, I was, you know, I got a lot of criticism criticism from um, a lot of people. And, um, but you learn a lot from these experiences because in the end, you realize that more often than not, this is only because of people's own fears that they're projecting onto you. Um, and that was a big lesson for me. So, um, I think that realization also helped me in the end to just, you know, um, just to keep going. (laughs) There is a famous quote. It's one of my favorite quotes. I think it was Abraham Lincoln that said, um, "When you're going through hell, just keep going," because eventually it does get better.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely true, and it, it, that resonates in in every one of these adventure stories. You know, the we've had other podcast uh, guests talk about similar situations, and every one of us likes to hear a, a great story, you know, about how things uh, didn't go so well, but. Generally, you know, I think people, as long as they don't uh, get, uh, they don't succumb to that fear, you know, the the stories um, of the the things that happened on a on a small level, and they can embrace the the stories about the fantastic things that happened to to all these folks. um, You know, they they really need to, to embrace that and push on with that attitude. And it sounds like sounds to me like that's what you've done.
0: Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, we have enough negativity surrounding us on a daily basis as it, as it is. Um, I think it's, we need more people focusing on, on the positive stuff.
1: Um, yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So you tell a, a fantastic story about getting turned around in Angola and uh, something that didn't quite go right, as we just discussed. Um, but with that said, why would you encourage people to get into adventure riding? Uh, what is in it for them? what's uh what what are the exciting moments that they have to look forward to
0: well just from my own experience um i would list it as uh first of all you learn a lot about yourself uh because in the adventure sport this this kind of adventure riding whether it be in your own um you know in your own country or whether you go abroad um you're put into situations where you have to, you know, connect with people around you and you have to fend for yourself in terms of, you know, finding food, accommodation, the basics. And, um, especially if you're, cause this was a solo trip, you know, so I was, um, in my own company for quite some time. Um, so you, you, you learn a lot about yourself, number one. Number two, you have an opportunity to connect with other people. Um, and other communities, and it's it's a great thing to, you know, learn, see, and experience how other people live in other countries, and how they get by, um, and, you know, learn a bit more about the world, and also, you do get to realize, again, coming back to the previous point, that there is actually a lot of good in the world, you know, even even through um, all the difficult areas and, that I went through um, with just to list a few, you know, like with the unrest in Mali when they were breaking down temples in Timbuktu, I was right there. Um, With the Arab Spring, you know, like I said, protesting in Tunisia, I was protesting with the people. Um, You know, going through Egypt when they had a a lockdown on on the country and a 7 p.m. curfew throughout the entire country. You get to see and experience so much more of the world. And in the end, I think this teaches you – uh more empathy you know for our societies, and I think that is um something worth with learning and something worth um experiencing in your life so there's a lot of that, and of course there's the um adventure aspect of it all um which is really exciting i or oh, I'm a sucker for adventure <laughs> so um that's that's something that um adds a lot of value to your life as well. Um and also seeing the different countries, I mean, there are so many things that I could list um why, as a reason as to why I would encourage people to get into adventure riding uh, overall it's it's only good points,
1: right. That's such an addiction. I mean, you hear from everybody that, that speaks of it. It's just once you get out there and do it once, you finally, uh, you get over that hurdle of fear and you go do it. Uh, then you find out. I mean, I think the worst thing that people run into is, is being able to come back and, and get off of the, the adventure path, yeah. you know, assimilate to real world as we, we like to call it, um, assimilate to, to real world again. So that's got to be one of the hardest parts about it.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's something that I struggled with when I came back because I was away. Um, uh, okay, I had a break in between, but um, all in all, my traveling time was a year and a half. And when I came back, it's kind of like, um, you know, a dog that's been chasing a bus and now I've caught the bus and now what do i do
1: with it <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> i got to go find another bus <laughs> yeah exactly now i have <laughs> yeah. to find
0: another bus. <laughs>
1: no i understand it's about the uh, the trip not the uh, the destination that's for sure yeah
0: no for sure for sure that's that's very true
1: okay so you you uh ended up in uh, on a motorcycle in a, a rather unconventional way um one thing we like to have guests tell us is a really good experience that got you hooked on on riding motorcycles all all over the world. Um, that question needs to be tweaked a little bit for you because, as we know you you kind of backed into motorcycle riding as it was. Um, what What would you categorize as a or what story would you have uh, as an amazing experience that got you hooked on motorcycling?
0: Um, I think mine would be more of a broadened experience rather than a single experience. Um, and it, it's basically the fact that the day I got onto a motorcycle, I realized that I, um, autom- automatically became a member of the biggest family on earth. And everywhere I went, um, you know, other motorcycling communities would welcome me as one of their own. And I think this is something that played a big part in my successfully actually making it around the African continent. Because in, in many countries like Nigeria, like in Libya, um, you know, countries that are difficult to travel through, never mind traveling through it as a woman on my own, um, it became less of... Um, a concern for me because of the local motorcycling communities, you know, the guys that, you know, came out and stood up for me and looked out for me, looked after me, and it was, it was really heartwarming. So, you know, just overall, um, you know, the motorcycling community, whether it be adventure motorcycling or, you know, street bikes, cruisers, <laughs> it doesn't really matter. If if you ride a motorcycle, you really are a member of the biggest family on earth, Um, and to me that, that's something that got me hooked in the sport. It's more the, um, the humanity aspect of it, which I really love.
1: Right. Absolutely. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I mean, even if you're on a local level, um, you find that community and globally you find that community. In fact, I, I suspect you find it even more globally because there's so many more people that ride, Uh, motorcycles around the world as their only form of transportation you know here in the west we see it as it's really treated as a hobby you know and something that it's extracurricular uh but much of the rest of the world that is their form of uh of um form of getting around
0: yeah yeah for sure and especially in africa um It's it's um, a little different in Africa because this is, um, you know, people use motor- okay smaller motorcycles for getting around and for, um, you know, hauling goods um, back and forth, using it as taxis as such. Um, so, like in some countries, like in Benin, I have never seen so many motorcycles in my life. <laughs> it's a bit like, I think, going to India or, um, you know, or, or where it's where you see um, highly congested areas with just thousands of motorcycle riders. Um, and then you realize, but, you know, this machine is, some for some people, this is their only transport. This is their only way of getting around. And at the same time, you stop next to that bike and you have the same connection with them as you do with anybody else on a motorcycle. So that's what makes it so amazing. You know, it just, it's... Um, it just makes everyone equal.
1: Right. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, a, that's a, a great aspect of it. The name Joe Rust is synonymous with record-setting adventures and taking the adventure and motorcycling industries by storm. In 2013, she set the record for first woman to have ridden around the African continent solo, no backup and no support vehicles. In December of 2014, she became the first female brand ambassador for BMW Motorrad, South Africa. Then in February of 2015, she became the first internationally accredited female off-road instructor for BMW Motorrad in Africa and the fourth female instructor in the world. For world-class motorcycle training solutions, visit www.joerust.com. That's J-O-R-U-S-T dot Acclaimed nature photographer John Fielder invites you to attend one of his popular Colorado photo workshops. Got an expensive camera? Get a return on your investment by learning how to use it. John will cut you to the chase by showing you his fabulous five camera settings. That's all you'll need. Then learn from the best how to use your eye to compose photos along secret roads in one of John's favorite Colorado places, guaranteeing you amazing images. Great food, great scenery, and great fun at sunrise and sunset. Visit johnfielder.com for the complete 2015 schedule. Hey guys, will you help us make the Adventure Sports Podcast successful? Take a few minutes to rank us on iTunes and leave a review. Subscribe, rank, review. Thanks.
0: Yay.
1: So, in the beginning, you you kind of uh, described part of your um, your circumnavigation of Africa. You explained a little bit about what you know what didn't go right. Um, do you care to go into any more detail on that and maybe uh, give our guests some advice that, that you might have based on what you've learned that you might uh, help them avoid any pitfalls?
0: Um, well, in, in general, in the sense of um, you know traveling on a motorcycle, uh, adventure riding as such, There are a lot of things that you need to take into consideration. You know, there are a lot lot of logistical planning that goes into, um, you know, an adventure motorcycling trip as such. Um, And it depends on where you want to travel to. You know, in Africa, uh, people both love to come to Africa and also dread coming to Africa, um it's it's a fantastic place to travel um it's a rich and warm continent and you know most of the countries are fairly safe to travel in okay nowadays it's more of a um uh challenge especially in northern and western africa but eastern africa is still pretty open uh it's just you have to do some research I didn't do a lot of planning for my trip um, because I wanted it to be an adventure, a true adventure. So when people ask me, so what, did you do your route planning beforehand? Did you know where you were going to stay every night? I was like, no, I didn't. It it would have taken all the fun and all the, um, you know, adventure and all the mystique out of it if I had done all that planning. And over planning can kill a trip like that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Adventures don't necessarily have to have an itinerary.
0: No, exactly. So I didn't have an itinerary. I didn't have a route plan. Um, The only plan was that I would be riding my bicycle, you know, (laughs) going north up the western coast and coming south down the eastern coast. Um, And the rest just had to unfold in whichever way it was supposed to. And that worked for me. Some people like to do a bit more planning, but also because this was such a big trip and uh, you know it was going to be for a good couple of months it wasn't just you know for let's say a couple of weeks it would have killed me to do you know meticulous planning in terms of where i was going to stay every night um that that would have just killed it for me but you do have to do some research and some planning in terms of visas you know paperwork for the mo- for the motorcycle um international driving licenses uh, vaccinations that you need, you know, these kind of things. So, um, things that didn't go well for me w- was more in terms of, um, security risks, I guess. Uh, especially traveling in, in Africa. Um, there was the incident in Angola, but lucky for me, it turned out pretty, pretty, um, pretty well. <laughs> um, in the end, I got to discover my ultimate passion. Kind of by mistake, um, though nothing happens by mistake, does it? (laughs) Uh, No, I don't think so. No. (laughs) And, um, you know, I had two close calls in um, in Mauritania and in Libya where I was attacked, um, physically attacked in my hotel room by um, hotel staff. Uh, But again, you know, I had some training beforehand so I could handle those situations um, and luckily I was able to, you know, fend them off and handle the situation. And it, um, you know, it didn't, it wasn't anything, um, uh, you know, to, what's the word, um, it didn't have that big an impact on me. Um, and other than that, you have to be you have to be flexible, you know, you have to be able to take a situation as it comes because, um, things can change very quickly and you have to be adaptable because if this is another reason why you can't really, you know, put together a plan day for day, hour by hour, (laughs) where you're going to stay every day because things change on the road and, um, it's just much better if you can go with the flow and just take things as they come. Um, if you're prepared for that, um, it just makes the trip so much easier because you're not always able to do the mileage that you were planning on a certain day. And sometimes you might get to a border post and they will tell you that it's closed for whatever reason. And then you need to have a backup plan or, you know, just work something out. Um, So, yeah, I would say in terms of of, um, advice on, on a trip like this is just be prepared. Of course, um, don't over it and be, um, flexible and take things as they come and have a sense of humor.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's very flexibility and a sense of humor are, are imperative. You know, we, we, we tend to plan too much and take too much with us. And I think every one of these stories, the, uh, you know, it comes out that basically the, the rug is pulled out from under us, you know, you get a week yes. into it and all the plans are shot to hell. Yeah, <laughs> it's <Exactly. laughs> You just have to roll with the punches at, at that point.
0: Exactly. You know, some people can handle it and some people can't.
1: You have a pretty good story about insurance, you know, coming talking about planning. Um, so one of the things you obviously have to do is is get yourself covered uh, while traveling internationally. But you said you had a break on this trip um, <laughs> figuratively and, <laughs> and, you know, in, in reality. Um, could you go into a little bit of that story? We don't need to delve a whole lot into it, but I, I like the story and I think it's a fun one to tell.
0: Yeah, it is a fun one to tell. Um I got I felt stuck in Morocco because um I had to get a Schengen visa to cross over into Europe. Reason being that um the border between land border between Morocco and Algeria has been closed for years and years. So you have to cross from Morocco to Europe or Spain, um and then back down to mainland Africa. But um I couldn't get my Schengen visa in Morocco on account of having to get it in my country of residence. And after a month of trying to get this visa and realizing that they were not going to budge, I had to fly back to South Africa to apply for the visa. And whilst I was back here, I decided I might as well apply for the rest of my visas, make it easier for myself, which I duly did. And then I went um, riding with a friend of mine. Um, We were scouting routes Uh, near the border, Mozambican border, which is just on the northeastern side of South Africa. And I, for some reason, decided for the first time in my life to ride pillion with this friend of mine. Um, Because I had a bike. I had a Kawasaki KLR at the time. But it was um, for sale, and I didn't want to damage the bike. And I knew we were going to do a bit of technical riding so i got on the back of this bike with my friend and all went well um and at the end of our trip uh, we fell in a bit of mud uh, at very low speeds it was almost at a standstill and unfortunately i got pinned under the bike and broke my ankle
1: Ooh. And
0: tore all the ligaments <laughs> Um, in my ankle and ended up having to have surgery and um, six months of rehab. The ironic part of the whole story was that my medical insurance covered me for everywhere in the world except South Africa.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Of course, of course it did.
0: Of course it did. So I flew all the way back home just to break my ankle here. And then having to sell the other bike in order to pay for the surgery because my medical insurance covered me for everywhere in the world except South Africa. Uh, Oh, that must have been uh,
1: heartbreaking.
0: Yeah, so this is where that sense of humor comes in again because (laughs) it was so ironic. I really – I just laughed. I just laughed. I thought it was very funny.
1: (laughs) Well, that uh, that – that seems like a great trait about you. You do carry these uh you carry a good sense of humor through all of this you know that's happened so certainly this trip has not been uh smooth going easy sailing all the way through but you if you hold a uh a good attitude about the thing obviously we can we can see what the outcome is. I don't think you would change anything about the trip from the sounds of it
0: no never not at all.
1: <laughs> that's great. So I think the moral of the story about uh, about your planning is, one, make sure you're insured in your own country. <laughs> Two, never ride pillion. And three, stay out of the mud.
0: Just ride your own bike. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. here, here, I agree with that. <laughs> That's awesome.
0: But at the same time, there's nothing wrong with pillion riding. I mean, I have a lot of friends that ride as pillions, and they will kill me if they hear me saying, you know, don't ride pillion. Um, so I just prefer not to ride, Pollyan. And my friends know there are maybe, um, maybe three or four people in the world that I trust enough to get on the back of a bike with. Because also, if you ride yourself, it's a different story, you know. Um, when you're not in control, it's it's a bit frustrating, I guess. Maddening. I would say. Yeah, I say maddening. Yeah. So
1: Joe, you've become the first person to cycle around South Africa. You've set the record for being the first woman to ride around the continent of Africa on a motorcycle. You have also become the first female brand ambassador for BMW South Africa. Yes. And congratulations are due because you just recently became the first internationally accredited female off-road instructor for BMW in Africa and the fourth female instructor in the world for BMW. That's fantastic.
0: (laughs) Thank you very much. Yeah, that was two weeks ago that I did that. So very yeah, recent.
1: Great. great timing. So, I mean, you have found the way to make money in life. <laughs> and I, I honestly, for one, am, am quite jealous, I have to admit.
0: It's um. I think I'm very lucky. But like I said to you earlier, um, that saying of do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. That's what I do and what I aim on doing for um, a number of years to come.
1: Yeah, I think you're officially done working in that sense. Right on.
0: (laughs) I think so, too.
1: (laughs) So as an instructor, um, what do you introduce new clients to if they're coming for the first time to to your courses? um, What do you introduce them to? And how does your training help those people that come to your courses uh, safely succeed in the sport?
0: Um, Well, I work for a training academy in South Africa called Country Tracks. Um, It's an official partner of BMW Motorrad. Um, And we basically focus on off-road training courses on dual sport bikes and on off-road enduro bikes. And we have a number of training courses from introduction to off-road riding to a weekend um, intermediate course and an advanced course. And then we have a dirt bike fundamentals on the enduro bikes. And we have a sand riding course because um, as we all know, people get quite nervous when they hit sand.
1: Yeah. Uh, nobody likes the sand.
0: Nobody likes the sand monster, <laughs> but we teach people how to get comfortable um, in those, you know, environments and situations or as comfortable as they can. So, uh, you know, it's, Getting people to get more comfortable on a motorcycle and um, also in terms of handling the motorcycle, because we want people to be safe and, you know, have uh, the tools to um, equip themselves with the tools to um, handle the motorcycles in a safe manner in different environments, be it on road or off road. Um, Obviously, our training is is focused on off road riding. So, you know, we give people Um, a lot of in-depth theory on um, riding the adventure or dual sport bikes. And then um, you get practical demonstrations by the instructors and then you, you do the exercises yourself. And these are to improve people's skills in, um, you know, different situations and teaching them about braking, um, handling, cornering, um, you know, and all the theory behind it as well. Um, and in the end, you know, the, the focus is to you know get people to to um, eradicate their fears around off road riding and to enjoy um, what they love doing anyway.
1: Yeah, and I think by by. Taking one of those courses, I mean, it's highly advisable, of course, to anybody uh, either getting into motorcycles for the first time or starting to uh, branch out into something like adventure riding where the terrain is more rugged and difficult. But to take a course like that uh, can really help people uh, while learning how to ride safely. It can help their confidence level. If you help, you know, if you get your confidence level up there and understand what it is you're tackling. Uh, it could really make the, the hobby much more enjoyable. Unfortunately, we see some people get spooked, you know, when they first get on motorcycles, they buy one that's too big or something like that. And, you know, and they have an incident where it really scared them and they end up getting out of the hobby, you know, and that's unfortunate for that person because it's such a fantastic hobby that I would hate to, to see people, uh, omit or, uh, or not, not do the training in the first place and then end up missing out on such a great hobby.
0: Well exactly, you know, and it is very unfortunate when people end up selling their bikes because they don't feel comfortable um in handling these machines in off-road environments. And another funny, ironic story is that, you know, I did this trip riding around Africa. So I went all the way around Africa. And only when I got back did I attend my first training course. Um, right. <laughs> and, um, but I'm so glad I did this because since I attended that first course, I attended a number of um, courses last year um, intermediate courses and advanced. And in just a year's time, I've progressed from, um, still not being comfortable. You know, when I got back from my trip, yes, I could handle the bike, but, um, not very well. I couldn't do an emergency. Um, I couldn't do emergency braking. I couldn't, you know, I wouldn't be able to do a a skills course or, um, you know, probably, you know, maneuver a bike around a tight corner. I couldn't do a proper u turn in a, in the road and i had a lot of i've built up i had built up a lot of bad habits and um I can truly say since I started with the training courses in just a year's time I'm now at that level where you know I was able to do the advanced um riding course and I was able to do the instructor's course um cuz you know they test you on uh, on your skills as well so obviously you need to be able to you know handle the bike um uh, competently so these these courses really do make a huge difference and it really can save your life um there's no doubt about that
1: yeah, absolutely. Well, I think a testament to all that training uh, that you've had is that it wasn't, what, two years ago that you got your motorcycle license to begin with, right? You know, so yeah. you you set out on this uh, around Africa trip on a mountain bike initially, but at the time you got turned around, you you went back and you decided to do it on a motorcycle, but, you know, what? what you didn't have was a motorcycle license or experience on a motorcycle. So you've gone from... That point in time, back in 2013, to now, you know, when you're now an accredited BMW trainer, that's fantastic.
0: Exactly, exactly. And if if nothing else, then I think that is the greatest testament to these, like you say, to these training courses. Um, it really it does make a huge difference.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's funny you talk about people uh, coming down to to Africa and how wonderful it is to ride down there. I was watching the the new movie, On Any Sunday, the second chapter, or the next chapter, I guess it's called, Yeah. and uh, watching it with my son, who rides a little KLX 110, and he turned to me and he said, Dad, I want to ride in Africa. I said, buddy, I want to too. Let's do that. So, <laughs> you you may find us down there someday knocking on your door looking for uh, some some of your uh, African adventure training courses.
0: Well, you're very welcome. You can do the <laughs> father-son project.
1: <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, what a great hobby to to share with your with your kids too. I mean, it's been a blast getting yeah. him into writing. Definitely. Okay. So now uh, this part of the podcast is where you get to promote yourself. You have a lot of things uh, on your plate, uh, past things and upcoming things. I want you to take some time to promote what's going on in in Joe Rust's life. And uh, we want to let people know how they can get in touch with you to take advantage of some of these things. So.
0: Right. Um, there is a lot going on in Joe Rust's life, <laughs> but I, I guess, um, my main focus points at the moment are the training courses. Um, that will be my main focus for some time to come. Um, so the off-road training, um, like I said, pr- um, previously, I work for a company called Country Tracks. Um, and they've had, they have over a decade of experience in off-road training courses. Um, they're also an official partner of BMW Motorrad and we have over a dozen um internationally accredited off-road instructors and we're throughout the country in South Africa we also um offer international courses we've had um participants from all over the world um coming to do the the training courses that we offer and previous well recently we were um told by BMW Motorrad, two of the instructors from Germany, that um, they consider um, the, uh, well, we call it the Country Tracks Mecca, like head office. It's near a town called Amersfoort. And um, it's been rated as one of the top three enduro parks and training venues in the world, um, which is really great for us. It really is an awesome setup. Um, It's on uh, a farm... It's about three hours from Johannesburg, and it is—it's is just a wonderful place. So everything is there, um, in terms of training, everything you need with the venue, accommodation, um, you know, catering is um, is is catered for, and then obviously the riding, and it's it's a it's a wonderful venue, um, off-road tracks, and you know, um, the whole setup is just fantastic, and then. Uh, My other focus at the moment is a project that I started um, up in 2000 and – well, last year. I did it last year, April. I started up a project called the BMW GS Girls, and it's a global initiative aimed at, you know, just bringing together um, female riders from all over the world, giving them a platform to share experiences, questions, um, you know, information – and we are starting to get more active this year. We, we're we launching a, a GS Girls Global Outride this year. Um, it's happening all over the world in, I think we're up to 10 or 12 countries at the moment. Um, there are different dates that these will be happening. Um, they will be shared on, we have a Facebook page and a group uh, called BMW GS Girls. So people can go on there and have a look at um, events, promotions, and information that we share on the pages. And um, also I'm planning a whole lineup of, you know, female-specific training camps uh, locally here in South Africa and also planning something for Europe and um, the States and hopefully roll that out globally to, um, you know, As many countries as we can get it into, so really the the focus is very much on the off road training um, for especially this year. Well, I think for the next couple of years, and it's something that I really love doing. It is it's such a um, um, how can I put it? It's such a rewarding. (laughs) Exactly sounds rewarding. (laughs) it's a very re- rewarding job um i don't see it as a job as a, at all so i love what i do and um so that just makes it even more awesome that i get to do this full time um so yeah those are my two focus points at the moment is country tracks and the GS girls and then uh what else oh and then writing the book um so I was saying to you earlier, um, I'm at that point where I need to decide whether I'm going to self-publish or go the conventional publishing route. Um, and hopefully, I'm I'm really hoping that I can get the book out um, sometime this year and that will be available online as well. Um, but, you know, first step is for me to decide which which route I want to go. And, um, because if I go self-publishing, I could probably have it out hopefully by the end of the year or maybe early next year. So yeah, those are the main focus points in, in my life at the moment. Um, so it's a lot going on.
1: It is a lot going on, but it sounds like you're having fun doing it. Um, I, for one, truly look forward to the book. I, I can't wait till you do get it out. It sounds like either way you're going to get it out. So Put me on your list of people to notify. We'll keep in touch for sure. And uh, maybe we'll have you back on the podcast to to launch that book. I'd love to help you out with that as much as we can.
0: Yeah, for sure. That would be awesome.
1: So the BMW GS Girls uh, project. So this is – let me talk about this a little bit more. So this is uh, basically – it's a forum. Obviously, you have a Facebook site for it. So it's where all the the, yeah. the members can come. Um, women only, I assume. Does this um, does this include just everybody who either owns one or wants to get into an you know an adventure motorcycle? I assume it doesn't have to be BMW only, but um, so this is just no. a group to get people together, get them excited about it, get a little education on it, and basically promote the sport the sport for women.
0: Exactly, it's open to anyone and everyone on any kind of bike. Um, you know, we don't limit it to saying you have to be on a a GS. Um, So all riders are welcome. And on the group and on the page, we have men and women um, because everyone has, you know, something to offer in terms of knowledge and experience. So it's not limited to women only. Um, With the, you know, training camps, obviously we offer it to the females only. Um, And uh, we currently operate it off Facebook, so we have a Facebook page and a Facebook group. And um, soon we'll have a website up as well. And um, we'll be sending out regular newsletters with, you know, news, tips, um, information, product information, and reviews and training camps and, you know, all kinds of fun stuff. So, yeah, so we are just starting to get everything in place. Um, like I said, we have the Outright this year um and then I think the focus will be between outrides and training camps. And um one of the things we want to focus on is, you know, getting more female riders involved in trying out for the GS Trophy. And the BMW GS Trophy is an event that takes place every two years. Um And it's specifically for BMW owners, BMW GS owners, And, um, this year, last, well, last year, it actually took place in Canada. And, um, there were, oh, I have to double check. I think there were 16 nations. So 16 teams from 16 nations, if I'm not mistaken. And how it works, um, you try out for the team. So, like this year, we have national tryouts here in South Africa. And then, um, from each region, they'll choose four, the four top riders and they then go through to the finals and from the finals they choose the team which consists of three riders and a a media rider a media participant um and they then go to the next venue where it might wherever it'll be next year they haven't they haven't announced that yet um to present represent their country and it's a week long riding on bikes and it consists of all kinds of um, um, challenges put out to the riders on and off the bike challenges. And it's a lot of fun. So that's something we want to get more female riders involved in. There's never been a female rider um, that's actually made it to the GS Trophy. So we want to, you know, try and get at least a female team on there or one or two female riders, or just you know girls trying out for it, because it's it really is a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, it sounds like a blast. Now maybe Joe Rust and her team will be the first first to <laughs> succeed. Do I understand you're training for the the GS Trophy?
0: I well, I was training for the GS Trophy, but um, because of rules, I am now officially kind of disqualified oh, from the no.
1: trophy. <laughs>
0: instructors are not allowed to compete and um because this is there's is a competition um aimed at amateur riders so instructors and people who have a racing license um are not allowed to to compete in the event that's why i'm focusing on the training so um then i'll just train the girls to get to to, to the trophy
1: there you go the next um, best thing
0: exactly exactly that's great hopefully i can get you know to the event at some point maybe be a marshal or something um and then i can watch the girls compete that would be the ultimate
1: yeah that'd be cool well i applaud you for for starting the the bmwgs girls uh this organization or this group there's nothing that uh puts a a smile on my face more than when i'm out there riding with my son you know in the dirt on our dirt bikes and i look over and i see a a girl dressed up in her pink, you know, roost guard in her helmet, and she's on some sort of uh, pink mini bike or or four wheeler, and she's cruising yeah. around, just having a blast. And uh, I just I love to see that, and and I love that you're doing this, so we can see that more often. I think it's a fantastic sport for men and women alike, and we need to we need to get more yes. women into it for sure. So good on you for, for sure. That.
0: Thank you so much.
1: Okay, so. The last thing we like to ask of our our podcast guests is, you know, and we all have our adventure sports that we love, and we hope to introduce new adventure sports to to our listeners, you know, some things that they might decide, hey, that sounds like a fantastic story. I want to go try that myself. So how does adventure motorcycle riding benefit uh, society as a whole? I mean, it can be, you know, it can be mental, it could be physical. How would you say, you know, this sport, in itself is a benefit to someone to get into it.
0: Um wow, yeah, I would say it's beneficial on all levels. Um, you know, physically, if you're riding a bike, you're out there, you're physically active. Um, you know, it helps you maintain a more healthy lifestyle. Uh emotionally, it's very uplifting. It's a lot of fun. Um and it really does help I've never seen anyone on a bike without a smile. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) It's and you never see a motorcycle parked outside a psychiatrist's office. So um, this is something. It's very uplifting, and it is something that's fun. It's something that the whole family can do together. Um, and also, again, coming back to the community aspect, you know, you can go out riding with other clubs, um, join a club, or even with just with your friends. It's it's a great way of uh, connecting with friends and other people. So it really is beneficial on so many levels. Um, there's very little, um, you know, there's not a lot of negativity to it. It's more positive than, ne- than negative, that's for sure.
1: Right. Well, I I, I imagine you probably even had a, a smile on your face and you were laughing about your situation back at home where you were riding the, the bike as a pillion and the bike's landing on you in the, the mud puddle. Uh, from my own experiences, I suspect there was still a bit of a chuckle, even in that situation.
0: Oh yeah, for sure and um <laughs> I really do um a lot of times in these situations, I think people are um stunned to see my reaction because like there exactly there i was I was laughing, and my friend just couldn't believe that I was taking it so well. And I said to him, you know, this, this, it happens.
1: It does. I mean, that's the neat thing about it. We were on a, a ride over this past summer up in the, the mountains of Colorado and it was a multi-day ride, but my riding buddy had, uh, we both owned DRZ 400s, uh, for the dirt. And my riding buddy yeah. had uh, crossed a stream crossing where I had already gone through and his son had already gone through and we're sitting there waiting for him to come through. And he just happened to hit a rock in the middle of the stream. Obviously we've all done that. Um, and of course it toppled him, stopped him dead in his tracks and toppled him. And the whole bike went under the water and it ingested as much water as it could pop- possibly ingest. And, it was, yeah. you know, we had to pull the thing out and take the the exhaust apart and flush the engine, you know, so we didn't damage anything. But it was a it was a, a hilarious event. It's just, yes, things go wrong, but it's just a it's a fun hobby. And even when things do go wrong, you can just have a good laugh about it and carry on.
0: Exactly. And it's usually these situations and events that you end up um, thinking back, uh, you, you know, with fond with fondness. Because it's usually the tough times and the difficult times that end up being the best of it. Because that's where you really learn something. Right.
1: And I think where that's where the word adventure comes in. It's not; It doesn't go the way you planned, uh, but the way it goes is the adventure. You just have to embrace right. that. For well, sure. Great. <laughs> right. Well, Joe, thanks so much for giving us your time for the Adventure Sports Podcast. We really appreciate it. Uh, I would love to... Keep in touch, and I'd love to see that book come out. And like I say, I'll be a, one of the one of the first on the list to uh, to make my purchase. I'm very anxious to to uh, hear it. I think you have some fantastic stories, and probably even enough to fill a few books. So get it out. We're all excited to hear it. So thank you for your time.
0: Thank you, Travis. No, thank you very much, and thank you for the opportunity and getting in touch. It's um, I've really enjoyed chatting to you. And I'll definitely keep you updated with everything that's going on. And I have a feeling that we'll be chatting again soon.
1: I think so too. All right. Well, we'll get all your information, your contact information in our show notes for the podcast. So everybody can come see what you're up to and, and follow you and, and go from there. And yes, I think we uh, we will get you back on and hear what uh, what else is going on. Because I think uh, I think you have a lot of future stories to tell as well. So there's no stopping in Joe Rust's life.
0: Not just yet.
1: (laughs) All right, Joe. Thanks. Take care.
0: Thank you. You too. Take care.
1: All right. Be sure to visit Paragus.com for all of your Minnesota Boundary Waters outfitting needs. Paragus supplies the canoes and the camping gear to make your next wilderness adventure easy and enjoyable. That's P-I-R-A-G-I-S dot com. Would you like to be a guest on an upcoming show? Just go to adventuresportspodcast.com and click Contact Us.